Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. So we're in the middle of a series called Spheres, and it's about maximizing your influence in the kingdom. It's really a leadership message, is, is getting you to think like a leader. And so many times we don't think like leaders, because we think of leaders as these high, domineering, steamrolling, maybe kind of outgoing, gregarious humans. But you know what? That is not the definition of a leader. Leadership is influence. It's about how you use what God gave you to be effective. Do you know one of the most powerful leaders in the last hundred years was? Mother Teresa. This gal was not the most gregarious human being. She didn't run some gigantic, huge organization. It was the way she led her life. But I was talking to somebody about this just the other day, and we're talking about, okay, how wealthy was Mother Teresa? Pretty much had no dollar to her name, right? But she served, you know, in the streets of Calcutta. But you know what? If Mother Teresa, how powerful was she? If she ever said, hey, Mr. President, I'd like to meet with you. You think that appointment's gonna happen? Like right now. Anybody in the room, Mother Teresa says, hey, I'd like to meet with you. You're like, are you gonna clear your schedule? Heck yeah. She goes, hey, you know what? I'd like to come speak at your school, your college. It's gonna be 250K done. Anywhere she wanted around the world, she never did any of those things, but she was wealthy. She was rich with influence. Come on, she, she had influence to just spare, and it was all about her faithfulness. It's the way she lived her life. God just kept promoting her and promoting her, and she never sought after it, but she was one of the most highly character-driven, faithful human beings that have walked the planet in the last hundred years. So who you are, the way you lead, it's about how God made you and your faithfulness in what he's doing in and through you. Not about how you perceive leaders to be. Because sometimes we think leaders are a certain shape, size, and context. And then what we do is we're like, well, I don't want to be that guy. Because you know what? That guy or gal, they just steamroll people. And if that's how leaders are, I don't want to be one of those. Because just because people have bad leadership, right? We start to like shrink back from who God really made us to be. And then we really stop the, we, we, we kind of cut off the ability for God to use us, even in the simplicity of how he made us. We cut off that ability because we're just like, well, I don't, I don't wanna be a leader. But listen, God put you in the world. He put you in the world, not to be of the world and like the world, to look like the world, but to be in it. And so the way we live in that context is a huge deal, not to just go up and hide out and go monk it somewhere. God called you to come into the world and be you in the world, not hiding somewhere in trying to preserve your perfection. I made you to come into the world and and affect it, divine positioning, as we were taught on that in the first message, you're divinely positioned. And we talked about that God wants to pour out revelation in your life in the midst of that world for you to be a light into the darkness and to speak truth into that space. And then we talked last week about that God wants to promote you. He wants to take your influence and he wants to expand it. And promotion does not always look like we think, like I got the bigger job. Promotion is the expansion of your influence. Mother Teresa never got a bigger job. Her job was to keep doing the same thing. But man, did God ever promote her? Yeah, he did. So we're looking in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter six, and I'm just gonna summarize this story for you so you just get a quick idea of what we're looking at. This is a famous Bible story, Daniel in the lion's den. 
You might have heard it if you were a kid in Sunday school. But Darius is the king now, and he's taken over. And Darius decides he's going to set up some governors, and so he sets up 120 governors, and he puts three governors uh, over the top of them, and Daniel is one of them. Daniel does such a bang-up, awesome job, and he's so faithful that Darius tells everybody, listen, I'm going to put Daniel over even all those guys, the whole kingdom. It's going to be like Darius, Daniel, everybody else, right? And so the other governors and people, guess what? They get jealous. Big surprise. And they're looking for every way they can attack Daniel and undermine him. But it says in Daniel 6, it says they could find nothing. They couldn't get him on anything. He's like, this guy is faithful everywhere. He does everything perfect. Ah! And so you know what they decided? They decided, you know what, we're going to trick the king and we're going to make a law that the only place we're going to get this guy in is his faithfulness to God. He'll never waver in that space. Faithfulness to his God. So then they set up this law and they tricked the king and they put this law in motion where if anybody worshipped anybody but Darius, the king, then they get thrown in the lion's den. And Darius just did not think it all the way through. They set up his main man. <laughs> if he was thinking about it a little bit, he would have probably done something different. So anyway, what happens is, is right when Daniel hears about this decree, this new law, guess what he does? He goes up into his house, and he's like on the third story flat. He kicks the windows open. Boom. Y'all see me now? Gets on his knees. He prays in front of everybody three times that day. And he goes, how you like me now? Sure, he was praying about, I'm going to the lion's den. I mean, he's like thinking, oh, great, I'm going to the lion's den, but God, I'm going to be faithful to you. And so sure enough, they all catch him doing it. They take him in front of the king. The king's like, what have I done? He's mourning. He's like absolutely grieving. He tries everything he can do to get out of it, but he can't do it, and he has to throw Daniel in the lion's den. And so he, when he's putting him in there, he's all like, God help you. I'm praying that your God rescues you. It's amazing. This king is wanting Daniel to win. He wants there to be a God that can rescue him. Do you know the world is looking for God to see God's people? It's like cry, they're crying out to see God's people just come alive, that there really is a God. There's more to life than where they're at. And he's like, oh, man, I'm hoping this works out, D. See ya. Closes the door. Rock, whatever they put over it. That night, he couldn't sleep. And the next day, they open it up. He's like, Danny boy, I long to see you. Right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is he in there? And he's like, yo, I'm good. God sent his angels to take care of me. God, listen, he goes, because I was totally faithful to God, and I've been faithful to you. I've never done one thing to you, king, that's ever been wrong. And he goes, that's right. He pulls him up out, and guess what he does? He takes all those guys that set him up, kicks them in. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a pretty good exchange today. I get my faithful guy back, and I purged all the corruption in my kingdom and kicked them all back in, and they all, the lions got fed. This is a win, win, win. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Maybe it didn't happen exactly like that, but he does put them all in there. He closes the door. Those guys all get eaten, and Daniel gets promoted to the highest place. So, such a high promotion as he went through this valley, went through this dark place. He gets promoted, and it, and it carries over to the next king. Come on. That's it. God wants 
to move in your life. And in fact, just because you're being faithful, just because you're doing something right, you know what? The enemy is gonna come after you. So sometimes you end up in trouble because you're not making the best of choices. And you're responsible for the lion's den of your life. But there's other times in our lives where hopefully this is the majority of the time where it's because of our faithfulness and because we've decided we're gonna lead for Christ no matter what the context, that guess what, we become a target. You, you start becoming on, a target on the radar of the enemy. See, Daniel knew there was something bigger going on than just these bad guys coming after him. He knew that there was an enemy that was trying to take him out. And he knew that his job was to be faithful no matter what. And if God was gonna rescue him, he was gonna get rescued. There's another quick story with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where Nebuchadnezzar sets up this big idol and he says, everybody worship it, but they say no. So they get thrown, they're gonna get thrown into the fiery furnace. And in that space, they're standing on the edge of it and they're about to get tossed in and they go, listen, we're not bound down to your idol. God is, has the power to rescue us and even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down, we're still gonna be faithful. We are not bowing to your idol, we're not gonna bow to the world, we're gonna be faithful to God. Chucks him in, angel comes in, rescues him, the guy bows his knee to God. He says, there's a real God in heaven. So listen, it's about faithfulness. Okay, so this message we're talking about right now is preparing for opposition. We have to prepare ourselves for the opposition that's actually coming. See, it's, we, we, sometimes when, we, when we're doing stuff and, and we feel like bad circumstances are happening around us, sometimes we get confused and we think it's because we're messing up. Sometimes it's not because you're messing up. You have to expect that when you're doing great, when you become a threat, you become a, someone on the radar of the enemy, that there's gonna be an attack. But if we do not understand that, and we're naive to that, we're gonna get caught. There's, there, there's some great examples of this, and I just wanna give you just about preparation. I just wanna front load this message with this. Is, you know, um, in the time of pre-World War II, between World War I and World War II, when Nazi Germany was really on the rise and they were preparing themselves, uh, they were really getting prepared for war. And there were all kinds of European nations that were around that were like, oh, it's not really happening. And you know what they didn't do? Is build armies. Winston Churchill, Hitler's coming, get prepared for years. And everybody's like, you're crazy. And nobody prepared, they didn't think there was an enemy. Then. Hitler did one of the most famous things of all time, which they call the Blitzkrieg, right? He used the railways, and he took over Europe like overnight, just like that. Another really cool battle in world history is totally on the contrast, and it's in Sparta, and it actually happened when the Persians were coming to attack. It's not long after this story about Daniel, and they were coming down to take over Greece. And 300 Spartans, famous, they go to the Battle of Thermopylae is what they call it, and they go to this, they find this passage. The Spartans trained their whole life and prepared their whole life for battle and war. That's all they ever did. And if, I mean, it was kind of hardcore. Like, if you couldn't cut it, they just kind of tossed you out. And these 300 men stayed an army, the largest standing army in world history at the time, came down to meet them at this battle, and they stayed them thousands and thousands upon thousands 
they buried and they killed there and they held them there. They said if they weren't betrayed by someone who snuck up around, they might have held the entire army, 300 men. This is about preparation. Preparation makes the difference. Are you prepared for what's coming in your life? Are you prepared for the enemy's attack? So I want to talk about two main threats. We could say three, but there's really two main threats that we want to identify uh, in your life as you're preparing for opposition. One of the number one things is you need to know your enemy. The art of war, know your enemy. So who's your enemy? First, Satan. <laughs> the devil. There's a real devil. There's a real enemy. His name is Satan. And you know what the other one is? You. These are your primary threats. Now, we could say, like, these other governors and these other people, but the reality is, is other people in your life that you could see as threats, they're really pawns. When you understand the real enemy behind them who's controlling and pulling the strings of puppet master is, is Satan himself. So that Satan, his name actually in Hebrew means adversary. He has all kinds of different names. But really, we, we have to remember, we have to know this is a truly created being. He really exists. He was an angel, and he was actually one of the worship angels. And he was kind of a big thing. And he was kind of like, you know what? Why aren't you guys worshiping me? And so we tried to take over God, and he realized, hey, I'm a created being. God goes, boom, you and a third of all your you know, cronies, you guys are all down. You're gone. These are angels that now are fallen angels, and they're demons. So when we talk about angels and demons, this is real. And they really have real power and real you know, they have had different levels of authority, but, you know, um, if we don't just embrace the fact that there's a real enemy and the Bible says that he is roaring around like a lion, roaming around like a lion to see whom he may devour, he's coming for you. In Revelation 12, there's this example of like this dragon that is, is the imagery of Satan who's coming after the woman and her seed and all the offspring that call on the name of the Lord. That's you, by the way. And he's waging war. It says he's waging war against the children of God. Wow. So this enemy is trying to attack you. And then you have you. You have your own desires. We, we have all these things going on inside of us. These sinful desires, injuries, fears. Anybody ever been afraid? Ever been so afraid you didn't do something for Jesus? <laughs> okay. Fear of loss. Uh, you know, fear of failure. Fear of the unknown, what could happen? I mean, fear, when we respond to it in a good way, we trust God. Like, you think Daniel was a little bit afraid when he got thrown in the lion's den? Heck yeah. He had to wait, he had, he had a battle against his flesh and say, no, God, I'm gonna be faithful to you. Even Jesus, when he was, they say in the, in the wine press, in the, you know, the, the, the garden, he's praying. He said he had anxiety. But he trusted in God. He said, not my will, but your will be done. He just submitted his life to God. So we can overcome our fears, not let our fears take control of us. But if you don't think fear is a real enemy going on inside of you, you're being naive to your enemy. The enemy, so the devil, he actually wants to come in and stir up all this stuff going on inside of you all the time. So he's working with your flesh, with your old man, your old nature. He's trying to stir it up and get it going all the time. And, and you know, we, we, he wants to especially influence your thinking because the real battle is in your mind. The, bat, the authority that God's truly given you is in your thinking. Isn't that amazing? 
God gave you the power of thought. He says, you know what? You control your mind. You control everything. When you submit your mind to me, you renew your mind. You allow my word to wash over you and renew your mind and bring it into alignment with me and you submit your spirit to me. Listen, when your mind comes into submission to God and you begin to think the way he thinks, your body begins to behave correctly. The rest of your life begins to behave correctly. Things, relationships start to come into alignment. That wasn't a signal like go to second base. Sorry, my ear was just itchy. I, I know. Somebody takes off running. You're like, wow, he's got hand signals. And I don't have hand signals. I just have itchy ear. Okay. That seemed like a total baseball. Okay, here we go. So we're, our job is to do what? We got to understand the enemy, us. The, the devil roaring around, like, so listen, even, even in Matthew 13, we see Jesus um, talking to Peter, and he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Like, you just called me Satan, man. That's not awesome. The reality is, is that he saw the adversary using Peter, one of his main guys. Peter was in his top three, you know? And, and if you think you can't be influenced or manipulated by the devil, man, you you need to wake up. We got to wake up and realize that who we are and how we lead our lives and us being submitted to God is so crucial to the success of our lives and the people around us. You matter. You're a leader. You're an influencer. But you are going to go through opposition, whether created by yourself, by the enemy, you're going to go through it or by others, right, influenced by the enemy. Yeah, all those things can happen, but this is one of the things I want us to think of, is preparing. We wanna be like the Spartans that spend our whole lives preparing. Getting ready, getting ready for what we know is coming and being ready for every single day. As you charge into every single day, you're ready. God, I wanna be ready before you, James 4, 7. So how do we do this, James 4, 7? How do we get ready? Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's a simple process. This seems like almost too easy, right? Oh, it can't be that easy. It can be that easy. Listen, you serve a huge God, a huge God, but you've got to take your spirit to the gym. You can't just let your spirit man sit on the couch. You got to take him to the gym. And guess what? That kind of hurts a little bit when you get started. It's work. And, and God wants you to take, Paul even said, I, I beat my flesh into submission, man. I, I, I submit my life to God, and I pray in tongues more than all you guys. And I've worked harder than all the other apostles because I submit my flesh. I just beat it down because I want to live. Because he knew he was a new creation in Christ Jesus. There was something new going on in him. And he didn't want to live to the old thing. And he didn't want to give life to the old person, the old man. But you can give life to that old thing. It's dead. It's conquered. Romans says you're victorious in it. It's dead. But then we, sometimes we go back and we, we, we don't think it's an enemy. And we go feed it. And the more you feed it, it gets hungrier. But it, the Bible says it's dead. So I think about that kind of like a zombie. That's like my zombie guy. That I start to feed him and he wants to eat more of me and people. 
Don't wake him up. Leave him in the grave. He's buried and crucified with Christ. He's dead. Don't feed him. Come on. <laughs> zombie. Don't be thinking about zombies all night, okay? All right. Don't overthink it, too. It probably breaks down somewhere. But we don't, you've conquered it. You're not its prisoner anymore. You're, you're victorious in Christ. And I know that's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. Because real things happen in our life, don't they? Real stuff happens, and it causes us to freak out and go back to things that we know that we're not made for. But God has a victorious life for you. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Resist your flesh. And it's going to flee. Don't feed it. Don't feed it. So how do we do this? There's some practical things I just want us to look at. Like, we cannot get away from the power of reading God's word. God gave us the written word. It's divinely inspired by God to inspire us to the living word of God who is Jesus, a person. We start to read it. It, it begins to set our lives in alignment. It begins to transform everything. In fact, we need the renewing of our mind by the washing of the word. The word of God transforms the way you think, which affects the way you behave, which shapes your destiny. You and I have to renew our minds. Time with the word. It's not just a thing we have to do so we measure up. No, you need it so you can be in alignment. You need it so you can fight. It's a war. You need it so you can fight your flesh and beat him up and don't feed him. And you want to fight the enemy and make sure the enemy is not coming after you. And when he does, when you get into the middle of a crisis, you've prepared. So what are you going to do when you're in a crisis? How, are you going to... It's coming. I mean, how many of y'all been in a crisis before? You're like, I wish I would have prepared. I mean, I've had times when my kids are like, cut their hand or whatever. I'm like, where's the band-aids? I'm not prepared. We ran out. You know, you're like, ah, oh, the band-aids, you're using towels and stuff, you know. It's something's going to happen. The enemy's going to come, or you're going to make a mistake, or whatever. So how are you going to prepare? Listen, you've got to get time in the Word. Worship. You cannot replace drawing near to God and worship. It's not just a song you sing. You and I, when we start to take our heart and press into Him, we're starting to cultivate our spirit, man, and prepare ourselves for whatever is that's coming. Fellowship. Time with real people. Connecting in with our hearts with real people. When we start going through a crisis, we start going through something hard, we have to be able to talk about it and the real thing that's happening and share what's really going on. We need people. We need the church. You know one of the things that helps us really conquer our flesh and really beat the devil over the head is serving. It's so true, right? When you start serving, you're dying to yourself to give to someone else. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. God, I want to serve you for you, not for myself. See, when you start serving yourself, you start feeding yourself, your zombie man, your flesh. But we want to serve God. We want to serve others. We want to think about them before ourselves. When you actually get into taking a real responsibility in the kingdom of God, you, you really start to prepare yourself for whatever's coming. Because that old man is dying. Giving. When you give, you're taken of your worldly life. You're in the world, not of the world. And you're giving it to Jesus and sowing into the kingdom. A percentage of your real life. And that hurts. 
and is scary. You're like, really? Man, but if, if you want to be prepared, you give up. Jesus said, give up your life. If you really want to live, give it up your whole life. You can't replace any of these things. The genuineness of the church community, when we begin to lean on the body and the body is building us up and we're building up the body, that life system is a powerful tool. When your spirit man starts to get in shape, getting ready for battle, right, we start to see that I, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Galatians 2.20 Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And Romans 8.37, knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, this is where Daniel understood what he, who he was. He knew who he belonged to. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew who they belonged to. They had a God that was bigger than all the circumstances. They had a God that could overcome everything they were going into. And even if they died, even if they perished in that space, they're like, we still win because we belong to him. The Apostle Paul had the same philosophy in Philippians chapter one. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is actually gain. It's good that I stay here and work and serve all you guys because then you benefit and the kingdom advances. But when I die, I go into eternity. Guess what? I always win. When you know that you're a winner all the time, it changes the way you lead. No matter how you're shaped or how dynamic you think you might be or my personality is kind of mousy, I don't care if you're kind of mousy. You're a dynamic leader. Right? You're a dynamic leader in your own mousy way. Do it. Just lead. It's about who you are on the inside and who you know you belong to and how you make it through your crisis. See, when you go through a crisis or, or you help someone else through a crisis and you're really leaning and depending on God and you're prepared for that as you go in, man, it changes things. It changes the world around you. People around you look and they go, there is a real God. He's alive. He's alive. I've seen people go through cancer, get saved in the middle of cancer treatment and lead their families to Christ because of how powerfully they see the power of God moving in their life. It's unbelievable. In the middle of the valley, in the middle of the crisis, right in the lion's den, God will be glorified. That's where the angels show up. It's, in the, it's the opportunity. That crisis is an opportunity for God to just show off how awesome he is. And we have to know who we belong to and who we are. And it's the Father's. Romans 8, 31. What, shall, what then shall I say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Your flesh can't win. The enemy can't win. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and it is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Think that promise ever ended? I think that promise is made sure in Christ. There isn't a weapon that the enemy can forge or that the world can forge or your flesh can forge that could ever stand against you when you're in Christ. Can't happen. It can't make one. There's no ring of Mordor or any other kind of thing that can take you over. 
All you Lord of the Rings fans out there. It's not going to happen. 1 John 4, 4, but you belong to God. Here it is. You belong to God, my dear children. This is what Paul understood. This is what Daniel understood. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew. Listen, the people of great faith through all Hebrews 11 that they rave about, they say, these people were found faithful with God. They knew this. They belong to God as dearly dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Come on, 1 John 4, 4. The spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world. When you believe and you know you belong to God, that's how you go into the lion's den with confidence. There's no other way. There's no other way to go in there. There's no other way to overcome the difficulties in your life than to know who you belong to and that he is victorious and he has caused you to win no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through. And let me tell you, we go through some stuff. I know lots of you here and we've gone through some stuff. And it's not always easy. But here's the thing I want you to see in this, pro- this is a promise. This happens because God's the victor. Is the enemy, the thing that the enemy wanted to do for evil, he always flips and turns for good. Okay, he always turns the table on the enemy. He tries to take out Moses. He tries to kill Moses and he kills all the babies. Guess what happens to Moses? He gets floated down a river and put into the palace. He becomes a prince. The enemy's like, dang it. It didn't work. Let's come up with a new plan. So he tries to kill all the babies when Jesus comes. That doesn't work. In fact, he drives Jesus and his family right into the perfect prophecy that was prophesied in Isaiah, right? Okay, you can't can't stop God. He wins. Like like Kevin Zadai was saying all the time, it's been sticking to my mind, it's rigged. It's gonna, you're gonna win. Whatever comes against you, you're going to win. Now think about this. He thought he was going to kill all the babies. He doesn't get it done. Jesus there. He's like, dang it, this Messiah is rolling around the thinking earth. He's going to take me out, so I'm going to get him first. And he, he, he drives the bus on the crucifixion. He thinks he drives the bus on the crucifixion. And he gets Jesus on the cross. He's all like, I got him now. I just killed the Messiah. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks here. Easter's coming up is he thinks he puts him on the cross, and then he actually sets himself up for the worst loss he's ever taken. (laughs) In fact, he thought he killed the Messiah, and God set him up. Because it's rigged. He set him up for the greatest victory the kingdom has had. He goes, oh, hey, guess what? Just because we, that all happened, how I get the keys, ha, 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 and you're going to the fiery furnace. <laughs> it's finished. It's won. The victory is ours in Christ. Uh, Romans 8 says that we're more than conquerors, super victorious. The battle is over. The enemy is defeated. And it happened by Jesus and what he did, not what we accomplished. When we understand that we belong to him in that space, we can go through anything. Oh God, it's not I that live, but it's you who lives through me. And even if I die, 
I gain. If I stay here, I'm gonna keep being faithful to you, but if I don't, hey, you know what? I'm going to heaven. The key, guys, the key is faithfulness. It unlocks it all. Daniel knew how to unlock all of the, pro, the, the prosperity and the, the, the power of God to maximize his influence in whatever sphere he was in by being faithful to God in every way. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's it. Now I understand each one of us, man, I tell you what, we're, we're all going through stuff, right? And it, this is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that the Holy Spirit comes to comfort each one of us in our trial so that we can go and comfort others. See, you, you and I cannot underestimate the power of community. And if we're gonna prepare, this is the way I wanna just land this, this message here today is that, that, that we are realizing the, and understanding the importance and the power of, of Christian community, and we, that's called the church and fellowship. One of the best ways you can prepare is by showing up to church because you get to worship and get intimate with God. You get to build relationships with other believers and you get to hear the word. Refresh your mind, renew your mind, renew your spirit and you get to see you're a part of something bigger than you. You also have a context to serve, a context to give, to beat your flesh, thank God. It's amazing. God made all this, he set it all up, not us. He set it all up. That's why he says don't forsake the fellowship of the brothers. And, but we have to be real when we're here. If we're a bunch of plasticky fake yo-yos around here, this is nothing. This actually is powerless church, powerless gospel. It only works when you take the, the, the place in your life where you've been hurt and mourning and you're real and you share that with others and you be a real person where the Holy Spirit has comforted you. It won't work if you don't do that. When we do that, the power of God gets unlocked. And then when we start going through a crisis, we've prepared with our relationships. You are the leader of your relationships. You're the leader of your relationships. You're the leader of your destiny. No one else is in charge of that but you. Are you leading your relationships? Are you waiting for, well, when the pastor finally starts that program, then I'll start building relationships. If he gets a group put together that I actually want to go to, then doggone it, man, I'll start doing that relationship thing. It'll be so good. And then all of a sudden, Nazi Germany comes around, boom, take over Europe. You're like, what just happened? I wasn't prepared. You need to be a Spartan, man. Start training. Build real relationships so when crisis comes, you've got a foundation of real relationships. But here's the thing I want you to get is like, no matter what it is, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through right now, you are gonna make it. Christ is victorious in you, you're gonna make it. You're gonna get through it. Man, you're struggling in your own personal life and your biggest enemy is your flesh and the enemy's just messing with you. You're gonna make it. You're gonna get through it. You're not gonna be stuck where you're at. You hear me? You're victorious in Christ. Maybe it's the enemy, he's coming in, he's just taking and just messing with your relationships, he's messing with your head, and you're gonna be victorious in Christ. I just wanna leave you just come for real quick as we're closing. Just a second for people to pray over each other. He had, she had a prophetic word for our church here. Hey, uh, 
I, some of you are just really going through things, right? And you're in a season that kind of the night season that you're in. And so I really, I really believe that there's a space for vulnerability here. There's a space for body ministry here. And so, you know, it's that first step that's so hard to get over of that vulnerability of saying, I need someone. I need someone right now. And I just, I would just ask you if you could be bold enough and courageous enough to just stand up and say, I need the body right now. For whatever reason in your life, you just need someone, okay? Lord, we just close our eyes and Holy Spirit, we just need you. God, we want to be vulnerable. We, we don't want to come in plasticky like Josh was talking about. We need the body. We need other people around us because this load, you have a load and you have a burden, okay? The, the load is the thing you're meant to carry. The burden is too heavy for you. So whoever has a burden in here that's just too heavy that you're saying, I can't do this alone. I need Jesus and I need the body of Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, we are believing, God, this load be lifted in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're praying for you to just radically come in with a power, God, with comfort, with love, with joy, with peace. God, your joy, it, it, it is what strengthens us, God. And so we speak joy into these circumstances right now. We speak peace in these circumstances. Father, by your love, I pray, just washing of your love, washing of your love, and just identity to come into this space. God, no matter what happens, no matter how scary it is, no matter how hard it is, God, we belong to you. These children belong to you, and no weapon formed against them can prosper. What can man do to me? I belong to you, Father God. Listen, nobody can do anything to you because you belong to the to the Father, and He loves you. Father, let your love pour out. Let your covering and your protection wash over them. And God, let your healing waters just fill them, strengthen them. God, I just feel this, this strengthening needs to happen in the body. God, will you strengthen these people by the power of your Spirit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.